welcome back to the J.W. Nixon Class of 1992 podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Matias Garcia, Mr. Class of 1992, most studious himself. Matt is a double graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, is a practicing attorney, and owns his own business. He is also a lifelong friend of mine. I don't want a pirate attack. No surprises. No surprises. Welcome to the J.W. Nixon Class of 1992 virtual reunion. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm excited to have you on. Tell us real quick what you do. What brings you joy in your life? I am the proud dad of two kids, Travis and Marissa. And they're in high school age right now. So that's really interesting when I'm not taking care of them. I am working as a lawyer. I have a small firm in Austin. We're a total of six lawyers, one office in Austin and one office in San Antonio. Well, congratulations on your offices and your children. Very exciting. And full disclosure, in case anyone thinks that I'm going to give you a break because my son works for you. <laughs> the other thing is that I've known you since 1980. Oh my gosh. So I would not give you a break because <laughs> at this point we're like siblings, I think. I think so. You're probably one of the closest things I have to a sister. Because we weren't, we didn't just meet in first grade. We were in the same classes until those two years that you were not in GT, but <laughs> <laughs> we were in the same classes basically from first to senior year. So that's I a long time. So. Every year. Someone. Except those two years. Those two years, yeah. That you reminded me of a few minutes ago, but yeah. Those are the longest years of my life. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get serious. So we're doing this virtual reunion and we just want to get to know you. So we're going to go back to high school, ninth through 12th grade, and think about what you were like, what it was like then. I know what you were like as a teenager. What were you, what do you think you were like back then? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't have a memory for anything. That's, that's part of my problem. I don't, I don't remember things. I always count on my friends to read tell me stories about myself because I, I don't remember a lot of experiences. I, I think I always just marched to the beat of my own drum. I never really considered myself part of one group or part of another group. I really felt like I had friends all over the school in different groups, whether they were outside of the vocational building or in gym or, you know, outside of English or at the wall. I just felt that I had friends throughout the whole school. Physically, you were, I remember, I just remember you being smaller than everyone else because you were also a year younger than the rest of us. Did That's that right. ever make a difference? Born. Huh? I was born in October and was able to, I think, come in a little early. So I was, I think I was the second youngest. I think Gilbert Idregas was, was the youngest kid in school, in our class. 
I think. I think he was born in December, maybe. I was born in October. And I think, you know, looking back on it now, you know, I think it would have been nice if I would have been older or, you know, they would have waited and put me in the class that came after us. But speaking professionally and all the things that I did academically, I'm glad that I was where I was. Uh, I was happy to, to graduate from high school and start college in Austin. I, I really couldn't wait to, to branch out and, and see new places and do new things. Okay, we're going to get to that in a bit. Right now, we're still thinking high school. I know. That's the overachiever. <laughs> what did everyone else think of you? What, what did your classmates think of you? Or what do you think they thought of you? I think most people thought that I was nice. I think uh, I was real active in church in high school. And so I knew a lot of my, a lot of friends came from church and from doing- What church? San Martín de Pores. And from doing the youth retreats there, I used to wake up early on, on Saturday mornings and go help in CCD. And then I got real active with retreats that they would do. It wasn't choice. We called it something else. I can't remember what it is, but it was like choice. And it was just a good time. So I think a lot of people affiliated me with, with the church or with church things. So who did you hang out in high school? Who was your ganga? <laughs> uh, well, I, I spent a lot of time with a lot of different folks. Primarily, I think I hung around with you and Gabby Cano and Diana Villarreal and doing things with them. I, I can confirm that. <laughs> I was friends with Luis Banuelos, but Luis was doing a lot of band and so I didn't, I didn't see him as much. After school, I had a job. And so as soon as school was, would let out, somebody would come and pick me up and take me to my job. And so I spent a lot of time after school working to save money up for college. So did you have any special or favorite hangouts when you weren't working or when you weren't at school? I like to work on the computer. And so when I would hang out with my friends, Luis and, and Max and a couple of other folks, I think early on, we would just spend time in each other's houses on computers. Later on, uh, you know, I remember in junior and senior year, I spent a lot of time with Felix and Erica and Elsa and Lisa, and we would all go to lunch uh, together in Lisa's uh, Chevy Chevette. Vet. <laughs> Lisa's vet. Yes, that was a lot of fun. And I hung out a lot with Felix too, Felix Esquivel. He had a, he had a great truck and we would, we would go to all sorts of places during lunchtime and stuff. And I'm sure we, uh, I'm sure there may have been once or twice when we relate to our class after lunch, but you know, who can remember? Well, speaking of being late, did you ever skip class? You know, not really. I think maybe towards the end, I may have been late a few times, but I was pretty much a straight arrow kid and I liked school. I, I just enjoyed, I enjoyed my classes. I enjoyed learning different things. So I was never plagued with that of not liking school or not wanting to be there or, or feeling saddled you know, 
with all the demands that schools sometimes can have. I pretty much enjoyed hanging out, but I'm sure there may have been the occasional once or twice that I just never left the wall or continue to hang out with friends past the, the period, past the bell ringing. Were you in any clubs or organizations? I remember one club that I was in for sure, which was NASA. And that was the science club that was, was started by Janet Leindecker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that stood for uh, the National Association of Scientific Apprentices. And so that was, I think that's the only club in school that I was in. I was very active in the future business professionals of America. And I spent uh, some time doing some of the competitions and stuff. Uh, They would take us on different trips. In fact, it's kind of interesting. It was during one of those trips that I think I experienced kind of like the, my first realization that I guess I wasn't, you know, that, that Laredo was different because, you know, Laredo is, is predominantly Hispanic. And so people who are not Hispanic tend to stand out. And I remember we were at, at a Hyatt hotel uh, for one of our competitions. The competitions were typing or word processing or putting together spreadsheets and stuff. And you had to you had to get all these tasks accomplished within a certain period of time. And, and if you got the task done quickly and with little to no errors, then, then you would get ranked higher and higher until, un, until you won. And um, I remember I was in, in the elevator with a bunch of kids from Nixon and some people were just super rude and just assumed that we all worked there and took the dirty towels and stuff. And so they threw a bunch of towels at us, telling us, you know, that they were dirty and and needed to be cleaned. And I thought that that was pretty rude. Uh, But it also kind of opened my eyes that, you know, once you get out of Laredo, things can be a little different. Wow. Where where was that? You know, I'm sad to say, I don't think it was that far away. I want to say it was Houston. But we didn't do too many competitions. It was... It, it was just a few, and I don't even know how I even landed in that class. I think I landed in that class purely by accident, because it, it, it was a class out of the vocational school, but it was such a good class, because it was so practical. I mean, I credit that class and typing class are great classes that kind of have helped me, because there are still lessons that I learned way back then uh, that still help me today, you know? They were just very practical, hands-on classes. Wow. I had heard stories of, you know, because I was in band and I heard stories from people who were older than me saying that they had gone to competition in certain parts of Central Texas and they were called beaners and told beaners go home. I never saw that or felt that, but I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm shocked that that happened to you. It really didn't happen to me that often. I, I've, you know, I've left, I've lived a very, a very blessed life in that sense that I've never had, really had too many instances of feeling discriminated against or, or, you know, been called derogatory names because of of my race or sexual orientation or what have you. But it, it is out there and and it hasn't gone away and. It, it's still something that that we all have to kind of help in our in 
in a certain way. We all have an obligation to help each other. Well, you mentioned working after school. Where did you work? What did you do? So I worked as an office assistant in a law firm in uh, downtown Laredo. It was, it was right next to La Posada. And uh, I worked for a lawyer by the name of Fofo Gonzalez. He was a personal injury lawyer. And after school, I think I started working for him in 10th grade when I turned 15. And I worked the summers all day. And then during the school year, as soon as school let out, I would go over there and work for another two to three hours. It was a fun job. It was basically helping the ladies in the office with office chores. I remember my first assignment was, it was right in the middle of summer. It must have been June when I started and it was super hot. And he took me to this warehouse that was right next door to the office. And so my first assignment was to move about, oh, I don't know, must have been like 60 boxes in the middle of summer, no air conditioning from one part of the warehouse to the other part of the warehouse. And and you had to, you know, and there was no dolly or anything, you had to move them by hand. So I did that and got it all done. And then the next day that I came, he had changed his mind. And so he had me move all the boxes from where I had moved them way back to the first part where they had, where they were originally placed. And so I did that the second day. And then the third day I came in, he had me move them all the way back to where I had placed them the second time around. By the fourth day, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do more of the warehouse stuff. <laughs> I think I think we're kind of done. And so it was, it was interesting. It was a rocky start to the job, but then as the job progressed, it got better. Uh, most of my duties involved just basic general office things like copying and filing and typing. But I was also a runner, so I would have to run from the office to the courthouse on a daily basis to file things. And the courthouse would close, I think, at 5 or 5.30. And for some reason, Fofo would always like to wait to the very last minute. And then I would have to hightail it out and run from his office to the Literally run. Literally run. Because if not, if I didn't get there in time, you know, the filing wouldn't be accepted. But uh, it was a fun job. In fact, I, if I remember correctly, one of our other classmates, Danny Cardona, I believe he also worked for Fofo Gonzalez as well. And so that was kind of fun. It's always fun when there's more people your age, you know, when you're at a job. Is that whose car, her, whose Mercedes you crashed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a horrible day at the office. <laughs> I remember I had just gotten my driver's license the day before, I think. And my boss had lent me his silver Mercedes to go pick up some exhibits. And so I thought it was pretty cool that I was driving around in a Mercedes. And I went then over to a couple of friends' house to kind of show off what I was driving. And so that went over pretty well. But then on the way back, uh, I pulled over to the side of the road because uh, the exhibits kept falling from the back seat. And so I was trying to fix them because that particular type of foam board uh, is really susceptible to denting. And these were going to be exhibits or posters that were going to be used in a trial. 
And so when I pulled over to the side of the road, I forgot to put the car in park. And so um, I just had my foot on the brake. And so when I leaned over to fix the exhibit boards, uh, my foot went off the, the, the brake and the car on idle went straight into an 18 wheeler. And so the whole front of the car was just kind of smashed like an accordion, but it was still kind of drivable. And so I drove the car back and uh, I was really upset because I mean, it was embarrassing and that's a lot of money and I didn't have any money, but my boss took it really, really well. He was in the middle of, uh, <laughs> of some important calls, but he stopped what he was doing and pay attention to me and, and help me. And he's like, look, don't worry about it. You know, mistakes happen. And that's what insurance is for. And uh, he didn't dock my pay and he didn't tell my folks. In fact, to this day, I don't even know if my folks know. And he was always very, was very, very kind about it. And I appreciated that because, you know, I was still learning and, and learning how to be an adult. And, and I thought that, that was a good life lesson. Yeah, it's such a refreshing way. It's, I mean, it's so refreshing to hear an adult behave that way. Such kindness and understanding. Yeah, but- and I think it helped me too to realize that, you know, sometimes big problems are big problems, but you know, there's no need to overreact or make them bigger than what they need to be. You just kind of, you know, do the best you can and, and you move on, learn from it. And that's what we did. We just kind of learned from it. Unfortunately, he, he, uh, it took him a long time to fix the car. And so it must have taken him like six or seven months. And so every day I was faced with seeing my mistake because he would come in and park the car right in, right in the front front door so everybody could see uh I don't think he did that in a mischievous way I think that's just where he parked his car but you know you just kind of kind of move on and try not to make the mistake again what was a typical day like for you um in high school I wake up not too early just with enough time to have breakfast and get dressed and then go to school. And like I said, as soon as school let out, I would go to work and work for two or three hours, come home, do my homework, and then and watch a little TV, and then go to bed. My dad worked for a hospital, and he was in charge of the laboratory departments. And so he always liked to keep the phone lines clear and uh, by 10. And so I would go to bed pretty early. Yeah, I remember we weren't allowed to call you after nine or 10. It's like, nope, can't talk to Matt. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. it's, but it's good discipline. Yeah, my parents were very disciplined people and very strict. And so I had a lot of rules. What are some of your favorite memories from high school? I know you said you don't remember much, but surely there's something you remember. Yeah, so, you know, I had a lot of good memories of just being in class. I remember being in class with Mr. Daniels, and Mr. Daniels always telling me that I talked too much and that I needed to turn around. In fact, I I can still hear him tell me that from time to time. So that was was a good memory, and I have good memories of hanging out with Felix and Luis and with all my friends. I mean... I got to say, I I feel pretty blessed. I feel like I had a very good 
good childhood. I really didn't want for anything or, and really didn't have any, any troubles, you know, per se. Do you have any memories that kind of make you groan when you think about it or once in a while, other than the car accident? Well, definitely. Yeah. Wrecking my boss's car was not the best day that I had. I'm trying to think. You know, I can't think of any one memory that's that sticks out. I'm sure there were some. I've always been a pretty happy person and things don't really bother me too much. So a lot of times when something bad happens and I'm going through that event, of course, I feel bad at the moment. But then, you know, the next day I kind of wake up and start all over again and just kind of put it out of my mind. And, and so I don't really have any event, anything that I can look back on and say, you know, that was a defining moment or, oh, you know, I remember when that happened to me, that wasn't good. Or, or oh, I remember when I won this or that. Is there anything you wish you had done back then? If I could go back to high school with all the, the knowledge that I have now, I think I would probably try to be more outgoing. I think confidence is big in high school. And unfortunately, I think, you know, when you're in your teenage years, that can be something difficult to master. And so I think, you know, if I could go back more confident, I think I might have had a little bit of a different high school experience. But aside from that, I really liked our high school. I, I liked what we did. I liked our teachers. I think it, Laredo is a good place to grow up. It's a unique environment that I think balances keeping kids kids, but giving kids the freedom in order to make mistakes so that if they do make mistakes, there's other people around to kind of help them out. Who were the coolest kids in high school? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I guess the the kids that I would say were popular is probably what everybody else would say, like the kids from football and, and the cheerleaders. And so, you know, some of the people that immediately come to mind are like Steven Chapa and Dano Tejerina and Lizzie Moreno and Gabby Cano. Some of those folks, I think, were really popular. In my classes, I think the kids that were, that were really popular Besides you, of course, and present company excluded, you know, Leonard Cease and Rick Solis and Gabe Garcia, I always thought were pretty popular kids in our class. They were pretty smart and always willing to, like, if you didn't understand a problem or needed help, seems like they were always open to show you how they were doing something or maybe let you take a peek at their at their assignment so you could kind of try to figure out how they did it. Yeah, Rick was my chemistry partner and I wouldn't have passed chemistry without Rick. Gabby That's was it. my physiology and anatomy partner and I wouldn't have passed that class without her because I didn't like touching any of the things we dissected. You know, we had to do the pig and I don't know what other godforsaken things we had to do. So we made a deal early on. I'm like, you do all the dissections and I'll do all the write-ups. <laughs> I'm not touching any of that. Uh, you mentioned Mr. Daniels earlier. What other favorite teachers did you have? 
I think my two favorite teachers that I can think of right off the bat was Janet Leindecker, who taught us physics. I thought she was amazing. And Ms. De Los Santos, who taught calculus. I really liked her. I think I liked her because it was just kind of fun to, she enjoyed laughing at herself just as much as we enjoyed laughing at ourselves and, and laughing at the whole situation that we always found ourselves in. She, she was fun. One teacher that I didn't have that I thought was a fantastic teacher was Brother Tom Coyne, who's obviously already passed as well. He was a good teacher. I would see him spend countless hours with students teaching them math. Some of the students had had a little bit more difficulty and uh, he would always bake sweets and, and food for the kids and was always available to listen to them. And he was just a good guy. And I think, I think those teachers, you know, are, are really what made Nixon High School so special because they just didn't come to work every day, but they really cared about us. Or at least you felt like they did. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they all go and drink beer in the teacher's workroom and make fun of us. But I, I didn't feel that. I really felt like they cared and that they had our best interest at heart. Were there any classes that you thought were difficult? You know, I, school came relatively easy to me. So I didn't find classes very hard. I think probably for me, PE was probably the most difficult class because I was never very, I was not sports inclined and um, I didn't have very good hand coordination. So my secret was to schedule my PE class early in the day in the fall. So the first class, because inevitably the field was always wet and we didn't have to go out and play. <laughs> <laughs> and then if, if we were forced to play, I would always make sure that I was playing on the team with the fastest, like most sports oriented guy who, you know, who would always catch the ball. And somehow I'd always find myself behind him. So if somebody threw the ball, he would always catch it. And then I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, actually doing something with the ball. <laughs> So that, that was probably my most challenging class, but I was simply just trying to navigate so that I could just not be too much center stage and just kind of get in, get out and do what I needed to do to pass the class. See, that's why you should have stayed in band so you wouldn't have to take <laughs> PE. I know, I know, but band was so hard. I mean, you guys really put a lot of work into it with practices and all the events that you would do and stuff. And so while I really liked it, I just didn't think that I, I could handle that commitment at the time. I really wanted to try to focus on my studies so I could go to school outside of the radio. Well, speaking of band and music, what kind of music did you listen to? My favorite band or the favorite artist, I guess, that a music artist that I liked, of course, I love Madonna. I thought she was fabulous, but I listened to a lot of REM. My favorite song is It's the End of the World, as you know it, and I feel fine. I swear that that song's the best. Every, every, I've listened to that song in good times and bad times and happy times and depressing times. And it's just a song that always kind of gets me through. So REM was a big love of mine. I like Mana, but I know a bunch of people did. 
And uh, I'm sure some of my friends remember that I liked some of the songs by Magneto way back when. So, <laughs> so there you have it. I, I was kind of all over the place, very much just like my friends, you know, I just, I like everything. I think that's one of the benefits of growing up on the border and bilingual. So you get Absolutely. to listen to all kinds of music. Did you, know, you, talked, you asked me a little while ago about a really uh, happy event or something that I, that I really enjoyed in high school that made a big impact. And as we were talking about music, I remembered one thing that I did in high school that I thought was really impactful and fun. It was a good experience was doing boy state. And that that was that was a blast. I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Have you and seen the movie? I did. And that was fun too, because it brought back a bunch of memories. I mean, it pretty much happened exactly like the movie. You take all these guys from all over Texas and they're all excited about government and they're all excited about campaigns and running for office and and you put them all together and it was pretty impressive and it was really my first time living outside of Laredo for an extended period of time because they put us up at Jester dormitory and we were there for a whole week and and that was different too I mean talk about the culture shock you know yeah. because all of a sudden you know things didn't look like Nixon and you had people from all over yeah um, we were I did the girl state yeah. we were in Seguin yeah, talk about a culture shock. But it was so much fun, and I had a great time. I went with um, Carlos Carrasco. Carlos I went? I think so. Carlos and Cisco Sanchez. I remember Jaime went. Jaime Vela went. Yeah. He was really excited about going. It was it was a good program, and and uh, in fact, I was I was looking through some old memories and saw my my Boy Scout book and uh, or sorry Boy State book. And, um, and it was, it was fun. And, and I, I thought it was a very, very good program. And really, for me, what it showed me or taught me was that I could leave Laredo and live away and, and make it and do something, make friends and, and navigate a new city, and it would be okay. And so I think that was very instrumental in putting me on a path to seeing myself in college living in another city. Were there any books or movies or TV shows or anything you watched in high school or your senior year that, I don't know, you just watched for fun or made an impact or just. Oh my gosh. How many times did we watch Stand and Deliver in, the, in school? <laughs> uh, do you remember that movie? I remember the movie. I don't remember watching it in class though. Oh yeah. They kept playing it. They must've played it. Was like- it like in health. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they played it over and over and over again. Gosh, um, my favorite movie in high school at the time was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Just really, really liked that movie. And um, I thought that was just kind of an epic, an epic film of a kid who had confidence and definitely showed it and felt comfortable in his own skin. As far as books, you know, I've never been a big reader, and so I don't recall recall any books that made an impact in my life. Now let's let's go on to a hard question here. 
Are there any Laredo words or phrases that you still use? I know you, I heard you use super a couple of times. But... <laughs> That's super great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many Laredo phrases that I like. Laredo proud is one of them. Uh, and I think phrases are wonderful, you know, because they capture a feeling, an event, an atmosphere that that you can recreate with just a few words. The other day, I was, it was funny, I was just thinking of the word consafos, you know, which, which I guess back in the day, and I don't know if it probably still does mean, you know, anything you say goes back to you like twice or three times. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, you don't see that even, even in the Hispanic communities here in Austin, they're so different because there's just some, some phrases and some words that, you know, are unique to just being from Laredo. And uh, or at least growing up in Laredo in the 80s and 90s. Now I'm going to go back a little bit to what you were talking about earlier with the uh, Boy State memorabilia. Do you have anything else from high school that you still kind of got all my yearbooks? Um, I have, uh, gosh, they made us buy so much stuff. I think they must have made a killing. Um, but <laughs> I got, got my memory books and uh, uh, over the years, you know, I've kind of downsized some of that stuff. I think I just have have a few things. I have some pictures, uh, and then every now and then, uh, people bring up even more pictures that I didn't even know existed. But yeah, um, just just a few yearbooks and a couple of memory books, and that's that's about it. I don't have too many things from back in the day. Who from high school are you most interested in finding out about? Gosh, that's a, that's a hard one. I'm really interested in, in seeing how everybody is doing. I think, you know, some of the people, like I'm somewhat in touch with our class valedictorian, Marisela Rangel. I see she's doing a lot of great stuff in Laredo. I'd love to hear her story and see how she's doing. There's a, a guy I remember who was such a nice guy. His name was, I don't know if you remember him, Arnoldo Davilos. He used to go by Nono. I don't remember um, him being nice. <laughs> he was always super nice to me. He would always stick up for the little guy, no matter no matter who you were. And I had I have such good memories of him just being a good friend and sticking up for people that sometimes get themselves into trouble or got picked on and stuff like that. I'd love to see how he's doing because uh, I haven't kept in touch with too many people from back in the day. And of course, I'd love to hear how some of our more famous students are doing, like Roger and Dano, Tejerina and Lalo Ribe. Certainly, I'd like to hear their story and kind of what, what they think about high school and how high school shaped their careers and their paths. So now let's move on from high school. Moving what, on. moving on, what did you do after graduation? Did you go into uh, college? Yeah, right home? after graduation, I went straight to work <laughs> and kept working until August. And then I went to, and then my parents drove me to Austin and I moved in with my cousin and, and began my college career or my college at the University of Texas at Austin. And I was in the business school. That was in August and then school started I remember shortly soon after that, if not the next month. 
So what was that like being out on your own with your cousin? Uh, that was fun. I, I, I really enjoyed college. When I graduated from high school, my parents said you could either have a new car and you could go to the local college or you can go to Austin, but you wouldn't have a car and you'd have to just figure things out on your own. So I chose, hey, let's go to Austin and I'll figure it out on my own somehow, some way. So the nice thing about being a student is that with your student ID, you could get on the bus and the bus would take you for free anywhere you want to go. So, you know, typical Laredoan, you know, who didn't have anything, I would just get on the bus and I would just, I spent a bunch of days just traveling the city on my student ID card, trying to figure out where everything was. And that was kind of a blast. I, I've always been a friendly person. So many times I would find myself just talking randomly to people who were on the bus. And that was always kind of fun. Sometimes a little scary, but most of the time fun as most people are pretty nice. But, but by and large, UT was a big school and the classes were huge. I mean, I remember one class, I'm sure you do too, you know, the psychology class had like 400 students in it. And I thought it was great. I excelled really well in large classes. I didn't want anybody to know who I was. I wanted to go in and do my work and leave. You know, in Laredo, while it was a great experience growing up, you know, sometimes you do feel a little suffocated because... You know, my mom was a teacher at Nixon, so everybody knew her. So if I did anything, I'm, you know, they would let her know. And of course, you know, you grew up with all your friends, and so they all know you. And so sometimes there's no way to escape all of that. And when you're in a large class in a huge school, I was just a number. And I thought that that was great. And so um, I would go to school in the mornings uh, and then do my homework in the afternoons. And then in sophomore year, I got a job and then started working again. What were your 20s like? 20s were good. I had a fun time in my 20s. I mean, that's such a a big span of time, right? So I graduated college early. I graduated college in December of 1995, and I was 20. I had been, I was lucky because I was able to clap out of a lot of classes by testing out of them. And I did that because I didn't have money to finish college. And so I had to hurry and finish because I would, if I didn't finish, I was going to run out of money. So I graduated in December and then I got a job working for the University of Texas uh, doing temp jobs. And um, that was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of different people doing a lot of different jobs. And then I finally landed a job at IC Squared Institute, working with one of the professors who really liked me in a master's program that she was heading. About a year later, I started law school in 1996, did that for three years until I graduated. And then I went uh, into the seminary to study to be a priest, but ultimately decided that it wasn't my calling. And so I always say God called, but it was the wrong number. <laughs> it's like, no, no, he wanted the other guy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the 20s was, was pretty, I mean, it, it, a lot of things happened in my 20s. What about your 30s? 
oh, my 30s. 30s, uh, by then I had finally decided that, uh, you know, the priesthood wasn't for me. And so I had already started uh, my career as a lawyer. I had gotten a job. When I came back from the seminary, I applied for a job working for Senator Safarini, and actually I got it. But then later in the week, I was also accepted to join a firm in Austin as an associate attorney. And so I ended up taking that job because I thought that that would have different set of opportunities. I, I didn't think that I wanted to stay in politics. Uh, during law school, I had clerked, or not clerked, but rather worked for Senator Madla out of San Antonio um, and spent quite a bit of time working in his office at the state capitol. So I knew what that was like, and I knew what the life required and the demands, the daily demands, and I wasn't sure that that was what I had wanted to do at the time. So I said, you know, I'm going to take this other job, and, and so I did, and I stumbled on to debt collection, which is what I do now, primarily commercial debt collection, where you go after businesses who don't pay their bills. And so after working a few years with that attorney, I decided that I would try and open up my own firm. And since most of the business that came to the attorney that I was working for came from me, came from my efforts in developing clients, uh, it was very easy for me to start a new venture uh, out on my own with my law partner at the time. And I think if I remember correctly, you came to my opening. I did. It was on 360 or 620 or something like 620, that. 620, yeah. I yeah. Mean 620. Yeah, right above the cleaners. So I always said, yeah. pay your bills. I'm taking you to the cleaners. Not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It literally was. My office was above the cleaners. But like everything else, you know, you, you start off small and you put work into it and and you keep growing it and growing it and uh, until it turns into something. I also remember visiting you once or picking you up. Maybe I'm remembering wrong, but in the basement at some building off of Lamar. Yeah. So right after I came back from, so we're kind of hopping back and forth here. Oh, right after I came back from the seminary. So I went off to the seminary in Washington, D.C., and I wasn't there for very long. It was for a little bit less than a year. And I didn't like it. And so my best friend from college, from law school, he said, look, man, you know, if this things don't go well, you know, give me a call. I'll help you out. I'm like, all right. Well, I didn't like the way the seminary was and I didn't feel called to the priesthood. So I gave him a call and I said, hey, this isn't working out. Can I come back to Austin? Will you put me up? And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And he had a real nice house in a nice part of town in Austin because he was working for a large law firm at the time. And so I came back to Austin. I actually took a Greyhound from DC to Austin thinking it would be like the movies where, you know, you kind of have a kind of a kind of romanticized idea that I was going to have a awakening, you were, a self-awareness. You were uh, really sheltered. <laughs> <laughs> this, this Greyhound bus took a long time to get to Austin. I think it took three or four days and stopped at every little town. It was very, very painful. And I saw some things that I probably shouldn't have seen. But anyway, finally made my way back to Austin and, um, I didn't have a job. This was right, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have a job. I was just kind of hanging out. And so I was just relaxing for a little bit and enjoying that I didn't have any responsibilities. But after about two months, I felt like, okay, well, 
I need to do something, but not do something too serious. And so I had opened up my own law firm in the basement of a building on the corner of 18th and MLK. I'm sorry, MLK and Lamar. Sorry, MLK and Lamar. You know, and I got a few cases. I maybe had like 10 or 15 cases, but I wasn't very serious. And at the time, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, it was really just a placeholder until I kind of figured out what is it that I really wanted to do with my life and in what direction did I want to go. Yeah, that, I did that for a little bit. And, and that was fun. That was a real nice office. But ultimately, it was a general practice. And, and I didn't really like doing that. I, I like more specialized practices because I like learning a lot about one area. What have the past 10 years been like? Wow. The past 10 years. Well, they've been good. I haven't had much cause to complain. My practice continues to grow. And I've met some good friends here in Austin that have formed a good support structure for me. I think probably one of the hardest things is as you get older, you long for some of your experiences from when you were younger. And so it is sometimes frustrating to not have your parents and your cousins be in the same city to have so many of your friends live far away. And so you start to long for them and, and you wish that maybe you lived closer to home so that you could see them more often. If we had asked 18-year-old Matias what Matt would be doing 30 years later, what would he have said? You know, I think he would have said I mean, he wouldn't have known what type of law I would be doing, but I think he would have said that I would be a lawyer, and that's that's what I did. I, I've known in all through high school that that was something that I was that that was a goal that I wanted to try to achieve, and and I did, I did it. Now you mentioned you have two children. Are there anything like you? <laughs> and it won't weigh. They're actually they're not. It's so interesting to me how children are come pre-wired or they're just so different. My son, Travis, is very technical. He's good at sports. He's got great eye-hand coordination. He's very personable. I guess in that way, he, I would say he could be like me. Um, <laughs> he's a great kid. My daughter, Marissa, she's a great pastry chef. She does likes to do a lot of pastries and baking. Uh, she's very intelligent. Uh, she's an avid reader. She's always reading and very opinionated, very strong, confident young lady, which is good for the world, but sometimes bad at home when you're trying to raise children and trying to encourage them to do certain things. Well, I remember you being opinionated in school. Yeah, but I was always such a good kid, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was opinionated, you're right. But I was, I always have been rather opinionated. I'm not one to not call people on stuff if I see something wrong happening. I remember one thing in high school where I refused to use the student bathrooms. They were absolutely disgusting and horrible. I have, you know, I remember one bathroom in particular, I think it was like the C building. It must have had like one light bulb in the middle and there was always like water and stuff all over the place with Alma mentioned the bathrooms too I think that's becoming a theme now unfortunately it was absolutely disgusting yes. and no doors no privacy so 
I would go and use the teacher's bathrooms in the office. And I just would walk in and use them. And one time I think the teacher says, I'm sorry, those are teacher's bathrooms. They're not for students to use. And I was like, well, when you take the time and provide us with bathrooms that are actually respectable and clean and hygienic, I said, maybe then I'll use them. But until then, I'm going to continue to use this bathroom because this is ridiculous. I mean, you shouldn't do that. You know, just because you're a student or just because you're a young person doesn't mean that you leave your rights at the door. Very well said. I think that that's probably something that's always gotten me into, I'm sure, some sort of trouble. Who has made the biggest impact on your life other than me? Who else has made (laughs) the biggest impact in your life so far? Gosh, I think at different times in my life, different people have played a a role in helping to shape who who I am. Obviously, I think the answer will be the same for many when the people say, you know, their parents have played a huge, made the biggest impact in their lives. I've been very lucky and fortunate. I have both of my parents are still living and they've been together for as long as I can remember, if not longer. And they've always been very nurturing and certainly very helpful in becoming the person that I am today by helping me set goals and giving me guidance. And, you know, we weren't rich growing up, but I never wanted for anything. We always had you know, what I needed. I maybe didn't always have what I wanted, but definitely always had what I needed. And so I think my parents are probably the ones that have made the biggest impact in my life. And and even now, I still call them up and ask them for help. Have you experienced any difficulties since you graduated from high school? And can you tell us how you overcame this hardship? If you experienced Um, any. I've been pretty lucky. I, I got to say, I've, I've not experienced any major setbacks or, or difficulties. Probably the, the biggest difficulty or challenge that I've faced, you know, since I graduated from high school was probably coming out as a gay man, and in particular, a Hispanic gay man, because in, in Laredo, you know, that really was just not accepted at all or, or supported. I mean, the one person that I knew who was gay was the hairdresser, Michael, and he was always showing up on KGNS TV, uh, beaten up. And, you know, people would just say derogatory things about how he deserved to get beaten up because of his sexual orientation. And so, you know, to a certain extent, I think there was a challenge in that in coming to uh, accept that part of of me, but but once I did, little by little, it became easier to live my life fully as God created me to be uh, in a way that is positive and affirming to myself and to others. So probably that has been the most uh, challenging part of my life, but has since become something that in the words of Kenny Clarkson, right? What doesn't break you makes you stronger. <laughs> I could sing it for you, but then I think half your readers, uh, listeners would disappear. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll just <laughs> skip that for now. We'll save it for karaoke when the pandemic's over. There you go. What about the biggest joys of your life? How do you treasure those memories? Well, I think um, 
my biggest my biggest joy have been uh, adopting my two kids. I think that has been something that I never thought that I was going to get an opportunity to do, and that has been a big a big joy in my life. I experience that you know on a daily basis. I'm very grateful for that blessing. What's in store for Matt for the next ten or twenty years? Gosh, I don't know. I want to just kind of stay the course, help my kids graduate and continue in my career by continuing to do what I do and doing it well. I've given a little thought to running for judge here in the Travis County area. I think I would make a good judge. I think I would, I would bring a lot of the values, Laredo values, which I think are good to the judiciary, you know, caring for people, being there, loyalty, making or allowing the judiciary to reflect the people of this town, of this state. The populations are changing. And if people want to access the courts or in order for people to feel comfortable in accessing courts, they want to see a judiciary that reflects, reflects the people, that reflects who they are. And so I think it's important for us Latinos and Latinas to, to be the voice for others if we can to help lift each other up. I very much believe that humanity at its ultimate core is good. I, I love humanity and I think it's our obligation to help each other. So many times growing up or you know, when I was starting in some of my first jobs and stuff, it seems like one Hispanic or one Latino would make it and the other one would push you down. And that's just not right. I think, you know, so much of my success is because of other people who have helped me and I want to help other emerging leaders and people succeed. And so we should all do our part to raise each other up. And I think that's a very Texan value. I think that's a very Laredo value. And I think it's something that I'm, I'm very appreciative of. What is one thing about you that no one would ever guess? I, you know, I don't know. I'm pretty much an open book. I hate to say it. What you see is what you get. I like Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, I think a lot of people know that too. I'm a big Trekkie, I guess. Some people might guess, but you never know. Do you do any old people things like go to bed early or complain about loud music or grunt when you sit? <laughs> uh, I think the biggest old person thing that I do is that I go to bed early. I just, maybe that's just because of the way I was raised, but I mean, by 10 o'clock I'm out. I barely make it through the news, but I do wake up early. And uh, once I'm up, I'm pretty cheerful positive person. I think part of that is just being able to get a good night's rest. Aside from that, I don't think I have any old people traits. Well, I have an old person tip for you. Uh -oh. Make sure you practice swallowing because swallowing decreases as we get older. So you don't want to lose that. Take some water and then just practice hard, purposeful swallowing for like a few minutes. And that's <laughs> That's my old person tip for you. And now thoughts of the day with yes, Miss Whitfield. There you go. <laughs> okay. So now we're playing, we're getting back in the time machine again, and we're looking for 
Matt, and it's August 1991. You're starting your senior year. What would you tell yourself then? And then what would you tell yourself at graduation? Gosh, I would just say that study a little harder so you could you could get higher in the rankings so you can maybe catch up to Maricela and hell. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I would probably say, you know, Matt, don't take school so seriously. It's, it's all going to turn out okay. Just in, enjoy yourself and have fun. And, you know, by and large, I, I really did have a fun senior year. I got to hang out with my friends. I stay out not too late. I was always the first one that had to go home, but got to stay out later than other times before and just started to experience some of the freedoms that my parents had had given me. So I would have probably just said, enjoy more of that because there'll always be work later and there's always going to be deadlines. And, you know, senior year is special. It's, you know, you don't have as many demands on you as you would later in life once you, you start your adulthood. That's probably what I would have said to me back in the day. What do you miss about the 90s? And what do you not miss about the 90s? Gosh, I don't miss the hair. <laughs> oh my goodness. A lot of hairspray. What were we thinking? I'm, I don't remember you with hairspray. I didn't, but I sure do remember a lot of people with hairspray. <laughs> it's funny, I was listening to Alma Lozano's uh, interview and she used the word copete. I had not heard that word in years. I was like, oh my gosh, that is bringing back so many memories. I do remember that. Boy, the 90s with Z Cavarici jeans and parachute pants. What I miss are those, those uh, hypercolor shirts that when they were wet, they would they change would color. color. Yeah, they would change yeah. color. Those were really cool. I thought those were, those were pretty nice. Uh, you know, I'm sure every generation feels this way, but I just think that, you know, when we were growing up, things were just so much more simpler. Can you imagine if we had cell phones with with video cameras and and just regular cameras? I mean, I mean, so much, you know, what I see right now with my kids is there's just, there's no opportunity for kids to just be kids. Back in the day, if you saw somebody in the playground and they pushed you, you just kind of pushed them back and you kind of worked it out, you know, and and it was okay. You were going to be okay and they were going to be okay. And kids would just kind of work things out. Nowadays, everything is memorialized either in a text or in video or in photographs. And there's no opportunities for kids to make mistakes. And some of the best lessons in life are learned from mistakes. It was still easier to be a kid, though. I mean, a lot you had to, if you were going to have a camera, it required a little bit of extra work. First of all, you had to have money to buy the camera. Second of all, you had to get, you know, put it in your backpack or bring it to school and then, and then take the picture and be ready with the phones. It's, it's all there readily accessible, you know, very, very, very quick. So I just think that it's just harder to be a kid these days than it was back in the nineties when you still could make mistakes and not pay the price 20 or 30 years later. That's true. 
Have oh my you... God, that is an old person moment. I think we just did an old person thing. <laughs> what, what's happening to us? Have we yelled at the cloud yet? Speak for yourself. <laughs> Have you visited the old campus or the new campus or either uh, campus? I've seen pictures and I've driven by it, but I have not actually been in there. And I've been very curious about it. It is kind of sad, though, to think that a lot of the places or the memories that I can, if I close my eyes, you know, I can envision some of the buildings and the wall and walking through the T building hall to get to the, to the new buildings and all of that. And, you know, knowing now that it's all so different, I mean, it's almost like a, a small college campus. It's huge. Especially when they converted that supermarket into the ninth grade center and then they built the band hall and all of that stuff. What advice do you have for the class of 2022? I'm a firm believer in, in the American dream and I'm a firm believer of you get out of life what you put into it. I remember early, early on in my career, a judge who has continued to be very influential in my life started to help me out and help me introduce to people and stuff. And she's like, look, I'm going to invite you to functions. I'm going to introduce you to people. And that's, that's all I can do. What you make with that, that's entirely up to you. And I think that is so true. You know, life is going to, going to hand you opportunities and it's up to you to take advantage of them you know I do believe you have to work hard at what you do in order to realize some rewards that's that's what I would say I would say when life hands you lemons I hate to say it when life hands you lemons just don't make lemonade make yourself a martini and have some fun with it and make it a go because opportunities don't come up all the time And you know what, when you don't get that opportunity by life, then just make your own. When I was working for that lawyer, you know, I had worked for, when I came back from seminary and started working for that lawyer, I worked for him for three years. I was very frustrated with where I was and I tried to find another law job and I couldn't for whatever reason, I, I just, you know, it just wasn't working out. And I said to myself, well, you know what? If I can't get hired by another law firm, I'm just going to start my own. And sure enough, I started my own. You know, that was back in 2003, and we're now in 2021, and we've grown to a law firm in two cities with six attorneys, and we've done we've done well. So sometimes when life doesn't hand you opportunities, you just got to make your own. Very well put. Thank you. Now we're going old school. Who do you want to give a shout out to? Oh, Heatway Burler. <laughs> I guess let me rephrase this. Who <laughs> from our class do you want to give a shout out to? So maybe we can force their hand into coming on our podcast. <laughs> uh, big shout out to Gabby Conaluna. <laughs> she needs to come on this webcast and share with us how she's doing and all her, she's probably have some good stories being a golden spur. She, she did a lot of extracurriculars for school and stuff. She was always a good person. So big shout out to her. And um, 
let's see who else. Um, I don't know. Who who do you think should be on on this? I don't know. Unfortunately, through Facebook, I've realized that there are a lot of people I don't know. Oh, I know. I mean, like ninety five percent of our class, I think I don't we know. We had a huge class. I mean, we were a class of five hundred kids. Yeah. So I don't know the majority of them. So anyone, I'm interested that's, in learning that's about. Thing is big shout out to to I I hope. I hope this grows and we hear from some of the students that weren't this active. I'd love to hear how they're doing and yeah, and what they have going on. So if you were to make a mixtape for the class of 1992, what songs would be on it? Madonna's Vogue, <laughs> R.E.M. It's the end of the world as we know it, of course. Uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, maybe Magnet Magneto Wella Wella, <laughs> and then we have to. We Matt, have to... it's Magneto. Magneto. What did I say? I don't know, but you. <laughs> <laughs> it just dawned on me that that's what you had said earlier. I'm like Magneto. No, it's Magneto. Magneto. Wella Wella. Wella yes. Wella. Uh, let's see. Oh, what was the name of that guy? Uh, Oh, Garibaldi. We need some Garibaldi songs. That would make that would make good. Uh, La bolita que suba y baja. Uh -huh, there you go. Maybe something from the Playboyos. Who? <laughs> you, Mana? Can, you can YouTube that and see see what you think. I'm scared. Uh, Alejandro Guzman was a good was a good one. Uh, and then maybe add some Erasure and the Police. Okay, now we're on to our lightning round. What was the last TV show you binged? Ooh, last TV show that I binged. So this is sad. Last TV show I binged is Charlie's Angels. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's great. It was fun. It's so interesting. It's such an interesting show because it was done in the late 70s, early 80s. And you had these group of women who were amazingly beautiful. And on the edge of, you know, women's lib, that women can do everything men can do. But if you listen to the opening, it's completely derogatory. The guy's talking about three little girls who went to the police academy. And I'm like thinking, who refers to women as girls? These are mature women, you know, completely successful in their own right. And yet the opening is, is calling them, you know, three little girls. But yet it was a show... That was, you know, cutting edge at the time. Uh, what's your favorite movie from the 90s? Ooh, from the 90s. Gosh, I don't never know when movies, when movies were made, so I couldn't tell you. I think um, The Goonies and The Three Amigos definitely. Those are uh, 80s. Too. Oh, those are 80s? Yes. Okay. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is 80s. that off the 80s? Yeah. I didn't watch any movies in the 90s. All my watching came in the 80s. <laughs> you, made me, you made me go with you to go see Forrest Gump. Oh, that's right. What else? We saw, you and I saw, um, oh, the movie about the crime game. Uh, we saw La Femme Nikita. I remember, I remember, I remember you and I got out, out of the movie of the, of the crying game and leaving you there to watch it. On your <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not the only one who's done that. My husband also, we went to a movie, an artsy movie when we were dating. 
and there was a bathroom scene and he got up and walked out too. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm so glad <laughs> I drove myself here because I mean, or maybe I just have bad taste in movies. Who knows? But. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't okay. help you with that one. Okay. So what is your favorite fad from the nineties or what do you think is still cool? Oh gosh. Oh, no, I didn't have much money growing up in the 90s, so I didn't really have any fads. Well, it could be <laughs> something could like grunge wear or doing the Macarena or I don't know. Yeah, some things just left and best left in the past, I think. Okay. Do you have a signature dish that you cook or bake? No, not really. I do all the cooking for the family. I do enjoy grilling. I do have a couple of, of grills. I like to use wood grills. And so it's, it's, all, it's all mesquite wood. Uh, probably, you know, if I were to say something, it would be like a good carne asada. Of course. What's your favorite beverage? Uh, Diet Coke. Do you prefer flying or road trips? Flying, definitely. Do you think pineapple belongs on pizza? Yes or no? <laughs> no, it does not. And what tape or CD or album do you still have from high school that you play the most? Or that you've played uh, the most? REM. Is there anything else you would like to tell us before we conclude this episode with no, Matias this was fun. Thanks so much for doing this. I, I think it's going to be a great memento. And I think it's going to be fun listening to these when they're done. And I think it's going to be fun listening to these in 20 years. And maybe maybe in 20 years, we can come back and, and give everybody an update and we can learn how everybody's doing and see how everyone's changed. That would be fun. Definitely. Well, thanks for doing this, Matt. Um, yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe or follow so you won't miss our next episode in two weeks with Rick Solis. I'm Missy Barrientos.